Hello, everyone. So, I was reading a small excerpt of one of Bishop T.D. Jakes' books called Crushing God Turns Pressure into Power. Um, He talks about how his schedule is often packed with, number one, attending back-to-back meetings. So, I will be doing that sooner than soon. Keeping Marriott appointments. I'll be doing that sooner than soon. Fulfilling speaking engagements. I'll be doing that sooner than soon. Overseeing film and music productions. I'll be doing that sooner than soon. Writing books. I'll be doing that sooner than soon. Counseling others. I'll be doing that sooner than soon. Traveling over through various time zones. I'll be doing that sooner than soon. Um, He says running a mega ministry because he's a senior pastor. I'll be running a mega human rights movement entity. And then he says, and preaching the gospel almost every Sunday of the year at the Potter's house in Dallas. That's his his church I'll be doing uh, prophetic public speaking every week Um, in liberal progressive houses of worship I'll be preaching in them Um, in ministries that are liberal progressive I'll be helping them run their ministries so, that gives you more of an understanding of why I'm permanently child-free, uh, permanently single, and uh, permanently pet-free. And... I remember reading some of Pastor Brian Cross's schedule, and I can relate to what he said. So I'll be at people's surgeries, I'll be at ball games, I'll be at funerals, I'll be at doctor's visits, I'll be at home invitations, I'll be at dentist visits. I'll be at people's work days and, again, counseling requests, coaching requests. I'll be doing those things, too. So that's even more understanding of why I'm permanently single, permanently child-free, and permanently um, pet-free as well. I um, decided to talk a little bit more about those things because um, I recognize that we all have callings, but not enough people think about their callings. And more importantly, not enough people think about the logistics, meaning the details of their callings. So if you have a calling, you have to remember is it a compliment to if you want to be married or not kids or not pets or not so some people's callings they can be busy but not too busy for marriage and children and pets. While some people like me, so busy that marriage, pets, and children, biologically speaking, would be profoundly hindrance, profound hindrance. So I don't succumb to the temptation of busyness. Um, I'm not a workaholic. Um, I rest, I relax, I renew, I refresh. 
Um, I don't overeat. I eat right. I drink healthy fluids. I exercise every day. I get at least eight hours of sleep every day. I take my multivitamins. I bathe every day. And I do have an active social life. Plenty of time with my chosen family, true friends. Got that all down, packed just fine. So, no, I am not. um, I don't have any commitment issues. I don't have any fidelity issues. I don't have any um, sexual problems. I'm not reckless. I'm not irresponsible. Uh, I'm not unaccountable. I'm not a maniac. I'm not a deviant. I'm not a pervert. I'm not a male pig. I'm not hyper-masculine. I'm not toxic-masculine. I'm not a chauvinist. I'm not sexist. I'm not a misogynist. I don't do misandry. I'm not queerphobic. Um, I'm not a live-fast-die-young type of person. I My sexual self-discipline control is marvelously excellent. Um, I don't live a life of constantly thinking with my dick and balls. I don't do that. Um, I'm not the type of person that's after that one thing when it comes to women and just people and meaning adults in general. Um, I'm not the type of person that lives a life of of knuckleheads who who I've heard say pussy is manhood. That's not me. And I'm not saying these words to say these words. I'm talking about the mentality of of male pigs. This is how they talk. This is how they think about women. And this is how they talk amongst other male pigs or their friends or relatives. So I I tend to put vulgar language in appropriate context. So you don't think I'm just saying it to say it. I'm like, no, I will always give you a proper context. You got to understand, hey, sometimes these words have to be said not to demean women, not to demean men, not to demean females, not to demean males, not to demean non-binary, not to demean queer people. But... Sometimes the truth has to be said in such ways because it gets the wisdom's point across in the best way. So, um, for me, I've really had to, um, understand, uh, what I'm called to do in life, um, And it hasn't been easy. And, um, so it's really helpful to me to, uh, get to this point because um, I want people to know the kind of heart I have and I want to share more about what a humanist chaplain is that'll be last time talking about my duties by myself Um, so let's get to that we need to really get to that I decided I want to be a humanist chaplain. Um, Humanist chaplains represent humanist values and principles in secular institutions, such as a hospital, nursing home, prison, military unit, school, police department, university, and slash humanist community. And 
I want to also provide guidance and emotional and spiritual support within secular institutions such as, one more time, a hospital, nursing home, prison, military unit, school, police department, university, university and slasher humanist uh, community. I want to demonstrate experience providing emotional and spiritual support for crisis, grief, and slasher trauma, strong understanding of humanism and commitment to humanist values, ability to work in interfaith settings, understanding of chaplain role. So that's what I want to do. Because um, I am in that kind of high demand in those ways. I know that for certain. And I want to have the responsibility and authority to work with non-humanists as well as humanists as well. Okay. And honestly, I just want to be a regular chaplain too. So types of chaplaincy work that I want to do. Here we go. So the the type of chaplain I want to be in terms of working in a range of settings, including hospitals and other health and social care establishments, such as residential care and hospices, university schools and colleges, prisons, the police service, sports organizations, especially with football, cricket and rugby teams, industry, for example, a number of very large companies employ chaplains, community-based work, including community churches, as well as commercial sites, such as airports, the armed forces. Now, of course, liberal progressive churches will be the only churches that would love to have me as their as their chaplains. The conservative theology churches, not at all. I'm just being honest here. Because of how I am on my podcast and in my books and how I express myself and I have an explicit personality, liberal progressive churches are cool with me being who I am in those ways. I cannot say the same for conservative theology churches. So liberal progressive mosques, temples, synagogues, and centers, C-E-N-T-E-R-S, they're okay with me being unconventional and traditional because that's what they are, while traditional and conventional churches, mosques, temples, synagogues, and centers find my explicit personality to be problematic. Um, Here we go. So, the responsibility. So, when I say religious and use religious language, I'm talking about liberal, progressive houses of worship only. So, I am not pushing religion or anybody. I'm talking about houses of worship that actually get along well with people who... Don't practice any religion. And people who don't interpret the Bible conservatively. So here we go. So here are the type of responsibilities I want to do. Typical work activities vary depending on the organization you work for. For example, in a hospital, you will be working with individuals who may be seriously ill or dying. We'll also provide support to the relatives and careers. However, as a chaplain, you typically need to provide liberal progressive religious support and opportunities for progressive and liberal worshipped individuals with progressive liberal faith particularly when they are unable to attend their usual place of liberal progressive worship due to being in prison or hospital for example plan and lead liberal progressive worship liberal progressive prayer and other liberal progressive faith specific meanings Provide liberal progressive counts, you know, provide counseling, right? Liberal progressive counseling, liberal progressive spiritual support, and liberal progressive pastoral support on a one-to-one basis to individuals of different liberal progressive faiths and no faith at all. Okay? I'm talking about people in the faith world who enjoy thinking outside the box and the ones who are happy to destroy the religious box. This is the type of chaplaincy I can roll with. Let's continue. Where applicable, provide liberal progressive advice, liberal progressive spiritual support, 
and little bit progressive emotions support to families, relatives, friends, and carers. For example, to the families of armed services personnel or to the relatives of those in hospital or hospices. Provide liberal progressive spiritual support and liberal progressive pastoral support to staff in secular organizations such as prisons, hospitals, and organizations. Collaborate closely in liberal progressive multi-faith chaplaincies with liberal progressive chaplains from other liberal progressive faiths and liberal progressive beliefs. Build links with and make referrals to relevant local agencies and community liberal progressive faith leaders. That can help, for example, when prisoners are released or individuals sent home from hospital. Respond quickly but safely in situations where safeguarding issues might arise. Undertake administrative tasks, keep accurate records, collect and analyze data, and write reports. Contribute to the development of your organization's policies, practices, and procedures in terms of liberal progressive religious, liberal progressive spiritual, liberal progressive pastoral care in order to improve the service. Work within an environment governed by standards of conduct and behavior with experience contributing to the training of liberal progressive chaplains. Volunteers and staff provide liberal progressive mentoring and liberal progressive personal support to other liberal progressive chaplains and liberal progressive chaplaincy volunteers. Ensure that you take time to maintain and develop your own spiritual well-being, right? So I want to be that kind of chaplain. I decided that I just wanted to be a celebrant. A celebrant may be endorsed by a program or school dedicating to developing celebrants and providing certification accreditation. They're equipped to provide meaningful, authentic ceremonies for the clients they serve. Celebrants are qualified to provide consultations, composition, and officiation for a variety of important ceremonies, such as Invocations or readings for events or public meetings, weddings, pre-commitments, vow renewals, or divorce ceremonies, children youth ceremonies such as baby namings, youth coming of age ceremonies or adoption ceremonies, health recovery and sobriety milestones, and cisgender and transgender naming ceremonies, other personal or community milestone celebration ceremonies, Funerals, celebrations of life, living funerals, and other end-of-life ceremonies, including final rites or sitting with individuals at the end of their life. Um, So that's something I want to do. Um, I want to provide comfort as a humanist chaplain to... um, Let's see... I want I want to be trained to help humanists through the most important t- times in life, including birth, love, loss, morality, and mortality. And I want to further provide humanist consultations to families regarding humanist issues such as humanist value discussions of blending humanist and our religious values and language with religious traditions and a ceremony inclusive of a diverse participants slash audiences. We can provide education to individuals and audiences about humanism. I want to serve the community as a humanist clergy, you know, providing visits to humanists in hospitals or hospice care, prisons, shelters, and other places where clergy ought to provide support, guidance, and comfort. I want to meet with families who both ceremony as meaningful, personal, professional, with a humanist approach. I want to provide a meaningful alternative to traditional religious weddings for more service and other life cycle events. Uh, I want to be accorded the same rights and privileges granted by law to priests, ministers, and rabbis of traditional theistic religions. This recognition includes the right to solemnize weddings in the eyes of the state, only for the recognizes clergy in all states and many countries. So that's what I really want to do. And uh, I want to be... Um, I want to provide, um, I also want to be a, 
the type of celebrant that is welcomed in progressive liberal house of worship. So I want to provide, you know, um, liberal progressive uh, weddings, commitments, memorials, baby naming, baby namings, other life cycle ceremonies, memorials, and liberal progressive cisgender, non-binary, same-sex type of unions and those type of commitments as well. Um, that's very important to me. I um, I feel like that's okay for me to do, and I've always wanted to be inefficient. Um, I want to assist with burials, you know, I want to lead liberal progressive religious services and ceremonies and liberal progressive uh, events. I also want to be an efficient for secular services, secular ceremonies, and just secular events too. Um, The concept of baptism for me, um, I, in a little bit progressive house of worship, I have to talk about can we have something similar to it, but it may not be, you know, that's kind of difficult because I don't want to be in a situation where I make it look like I'm forcing religion on people because I know that's a sensitivity today. So I could say that we could, you know, instead of making it religious, we can have the family come by. That I'm not saying you can't be of your faith, even if you're liberal progressive, but my concern is, can we have something like baptism without making it look like we're forcing religion on on a baby, you know? And I'm not dissing those who baptize their kids. My sensitivity has always been, I feel like, you know, um, I want them, I want young people to be old enough to understand that kind of life if you choose faith as your as your life so if they had like a baptism I would say can we just all agree to protect the baby and love the baby and help the baby grow to be a healthy adult you know can I would have try to make it like that where maybe baptism doesn't have to be about you know religion it could be um, where it's more like an event and everybody there agrees to take care of the baby's basic human rights. And even when they turn 18, the love never goes away. So th- we could have like a secular baptism in that kind of way. You know, or some churches may live aggressively. Some may still do baptism. I would say, well, you know, I was, I would feel like, okay, I respect your liberal progressive faith, and I do. I would say, I want to do it in a way where the baby doesn't grow up feeling like they were forced into anything. So I would say I'll still do the baptism. I just won't do it religiously. You know, my language may be different. I may go, I may jazz it up in my writing so I can still honor um, children and babies and still feel like, okay, um, the right people are around the baby for dear life. So I would make the baptism more like that. I would be like, it has to be in a way where 
I can honor your faith. You can be faith-based parents of the liberal progressive persuasion. That's cool. But I would say, you know, let's say they had a ceremony where they use religious language, but not in a way that is as heavy as conservative theology-minded people. I would say, well, can we use like... Like, it will, I would say, okay, if we use the universe, if we use religious language, can make it universal. We can explain, okay, God means this to this type of people. Or you, we could, some people say God, some people say universe, some people say cosmos, some people say life force, some people say energy. So I would say, okay, if we, I do the baptism, I'm going to make this language all universal. And, and in baptizing, we don't have to use water. We can just stand. And y'all may use religious language. I may use more secular language and say, hey, we are all here not to make a child think like us. We want the child to think as itself. We're just here to show the importance of community um, upliftment for the baby. Now, that that doesn't mean that there won't be any religious language used by other people. I cannot control that. But I would try to, it would be a secular baptism on my part. I cannot say for everybody else in the room or in the, in the building for that day. I would just make it more like, I would probably use like some scientific language so people won't get turned off. So I would use a mixture of, hey, I know this word is usually meaning, it could be any religious vernacular. I'm like, okay, let me put scientific terms in here and scholarly terms in here. Not too heavy, you know, gotta keep it lighthearted. It's an event. But I would say I would use universal language so people won't feel like, oh my God, how could you do that to a baby? It's more like, oh man, all the, you know, That way they won't feel like, oh my God, your child abusing a baby. So I would do my best to make it a secular baptism. Because I don't want to necessarily like put the baby in the water. I would say I would want to have the baby held, you know, in, in the chair. I wouldn't want the adults standing up holding the baby gathered around. I'm like, that's not me. I'm not that type of person. I would say, I'll hold the baby. You guys can just stand. But I'm going to keep the baby safe. And that would be me. A secular baptism would not be... um, Religion, indoctrination, you know, dipping in the water, the sprinkling, the pouring water ahead, immersing in water. That's not how I would do the baptism. I would just hold the baby, speak kind words to the baby because, you know, I don't know allergy sensitivities in the room. You know, for some people, when you put certain things in water... We don't know what their allergic reaction is going to be like. So I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. I want to just make all the allergy sensitivities honor. If I just sit and hold the baby, that's not going to freak anybody out. They're not going to go, oh, my God, what's in what's in that person's hands? I'm like, no, I got I'm wearing gloves, people. And I'm wearing a mask, you know, I'm wearing a mask. I got my gloves because I know that COVID is not as bad as it was years ago, but, you know, I want to show you, hey, I'm not infecting the baby. I have gloves. I got my COVID mask on. So I would do that. And plus, as a human rights person, I want to make sure that I'm not in a position where I'm pushing anything on people. As a human rights person, what we are frightened by is any form of indoctrination, making everybody think alike and making everybody love alike. In the human rights world, we hate that. So if we do like baptism, it's like, okay, 
We can't do it the way conserved theology says to do it. We have to do it in a way where, hey, all this religious language is put in a universal way that appeals to the pro-science, pro-evolution, pro-scholarship, pro-facts, pro-truth, pro-evidence community, where it's like, hey, there's a mixture of of faith-based people in the room and there's a mixture of secular people in the room but I know that the people here are thinking outside the box because again the box has been destroyed so I'm going to talk in a way where no one feels like oh my god you're making this religious right church no not at all And when I say a little bit progressive earlier with the prayers and stuff, again, I'm talking about adults. So everything I do with adults in terms of liberal progressive faith, it's all for adults. What I do with children, I wouldn't try to make children think the way I do. Because I know that some their children, a little bit progressive house of worship, what I would do was, instead of making them follow a religion, I would focus on the humanity of the kids and talk to them about what makes them happy, that type of thing. I wouldn't push religion on any child. I also wouldn't try to make a child, you know, secular. I want the child to be themselves. It's not about be this way or that way. It's like, I just want them to be true to themselves however they naturally are. Um, I wouldn't push anything on a child. I would just demonstrate compassion for the kid. Everything I do, you know, liberal, progressive, and faith would be just with other adults, and that's it. People who have already chosen their path, not the ones who have yet to chose their path like children. So, again... Notice, I want to be a humanist celebrant. I also want to be a celebrant that is embraced by the liberal, progressive, faith-based world. And these are these are worlds with adults with other adults. And nothing is pushed on the children. I also want to be a humanist efficient and an efficient that is embraced by the liberal, progressive house of worship. I also want to be a humanist chaplain and a chaplain that's welcomed by liberal progressive uh, faith-based communities. Um, Because I know there's no room for me in the conservative theology world ever. So I've given up on that. So notice, I want to be a unique celebrant, chaplain, and efficient, right? So that's what I want to do. And notice, nothing is pushed on anybody, not even on the adults. So, um, that's what I really want to do. Um, I would love to serve as an honorary civil celebrant, honorary justice of the peace, honorary marriage commissioner, honorary no Terry, an honorary person empowered by law to perform ceremonies of legal import. I feel like I have that kind of rapport with the legal community where I would be honorary. I get to do these things. Normally those things aren't done by people like me, but they're like, we like you so much, Tonio. We're going to have you ha- do these things um, with honorary credentials and honorary accreditation I just want to do this stuff because it really fits who I am. And, um... I also want to conduct self-uniting marriages, you know. A self-uniting marriage is one in which the couple are married without the presence of a third-party efficient. I also want to permit that. I think that would be cool for me to do. And, uh... Okay, without further ado.
So now you understand all the final reasons why I'm permanently single, permanently child-free, and permanently pet-free. Let's get to it. So I want to finish up with the crime world. Um, And the best way for me to do that, so I'll never have to do another episode on it again, is this. I don't share what I share about my childhood to bully anybody, to trauma trigger anybody. Um, I am anti-trauma dumping. I never allow that to happen to me. And I'm anti-spiritual bleeding. I never allow that to happen to me. Um, I share what I share because... There's a lot about the crime world that many people don't know. Um, Many people don't know. Like for me, um, when I was in that world, um, I, this is my last nickname story. I was nicknamed Temper Tantrum, Temper for short. And temp, even shorter for temper, because of my because of my explosive rage. Whenever women were unprotected and dishonored, whenever they were victims of abuse, violence, and crime, and I remember um, because a lot of guys had a reputation for verbally abusing women, I would um, yank their tongues out of their mouths and it would be laying on the floor with my bare hands. I would uh, yank dudes' lips from their mouths and be laying on, on the ground. I would sucker punch their teeth out. I would bust their lips sucker punch their eyes, black eyes, and uh, some of them lost the permanent ability to walk and never walked again. They were in crutches and wheelchairs the rest of their lives. Lifeless vegetables that they turned out to be because the way they talked to women, the way they walked up on women, ran up on women so abusively, as a child I felt like I'll never. I'll make sure you never walk or talk. I'll never. I'll never. I'll make sure you never walk again. I'll make sure you never talk again. I'm not glorifying this. Um, I am not proud of the fact that they became members of the community of persons with physical disabilities. I'm not happy about any of these things. But when I was a five-year-old child. I didn't know any other way to protect women. I didn't know that some of the women should, you know, I didn't know that the women should have never put me in a grown man situation where where they made me violent for them. Um, They should have never put me in a situation where I had to be you know, bloodthirsty for them to soothe their ego. Um, I didn't know to a lot of extent I was being manipulated and controlled by them. It did feel like brainwashing, duplicity, because that's what it was. I don't like to think of myself as brainwashed. So I'm going to be easy on myself, but it felt like that's what was happening to me, to be real. And it was duplicity on their part. Because you shouldn't put a child in a situation where they feel like 
they're less than because it, the men are not protecting the women, but the five-year-old black autistic boy has to. I felt like I love protecting women. It's just that when you're a five-year-old black autistic boy like me, when I was back then, it was immeasurably inappropriate in all circumstances. Don't get me wrong, I enjoyed the humanity I showed to women, but I shouldn't have had to show it to the point where I was constantly being put in in death's pathway, you know. Um, so I, I love protecting women's hearts, minds, bodies, and souls and memories along with them. I love protecting their five senses and their six sense with them. But when you're a five-year-old black autistic boy, it's just immeasurably immoral and immeasurably um, heinous to put a child consistently in such adult situations. Um, So, you know, I... um, I then remember, um, you know, when I was a, a child at the time, I, I felt like um, you know, the days of being in the brothels and crack houses. Um, I do remember being in them and of course every type of sex work you can think of I witnessed it whether it was out in the open or behind closed doors or through peepholes or through um, hearing and seeing because sometimes doors weren't completely closed sometimes they were sometimes people were inaudible and sometimes they were audible um but when people would get eerily quiet I knew they were having sex but most of the time they were audible. Even if they were not loud, you could still hear them. And sometimes they were loud. So they would engage in porn talk without bleeps. They would actually say every word. Every word, every type of talk you see in mainstream porn, they would do that type of porn talk, that type of dirty talk, that type of flirt talk, that type of erotic talk that type of nasty talk, they would do that. Every type of porn sound and porn noise and porn grunts, porn moaning and porn um, grunting and porn sex sounds that you could think of, they did that. Um, And I remember... um, I would hear bed squeaking. Uh, I would see them busting headboards and breaking beds. Um, I would see people fall off the bed and have more sex. I would see people have sex in all kinds of rooms. Um, you know, I... I um, That's stuff I do remember seeing, and I'm not, um, I'm not braggadocious about this type of stuff. I'm really not. 
Um, and this is just what happened in the sex work world. I remember um, some of the times they would, they had this like living room area where people would just sit and talk and, and drink and smoke and gamble. Yeah. But when I was there, this is like during the day. Um, sometimes when I was like, if you they they smoked or drank, they had to do that in the um, in like the spare rooms that they had because they knew that everybody drank and smoked, so they wanted to accommodate people who drank, people who didn't drink, both people who smoked, people who didn't. The smoking was tobacco and marijuana. So they had a room where they had spare rooms where you could do that, but you had to clean up the smell, clean up the room because those spare rooms are also rooms that hey, you may you have you may be in there until other people who are clients with the sex workers want to come in, they may have to use those rooms. So sometimes people had to leave the premises to smoke and to drink alcohol. Because, oh, oh, the sex worker is going to come in with the client. With the clients and the client, they and in the brothels, the crack house, line, they need those spare rooms. So they had to leave the premises or be nearby just to get their drink and smoke on. And they would, you know, sometimes play cards, you know. They would, some, they would gamble. Like, they would, um you know, tell stories, you know, for, you know, grown-up type stories, they would tell, um, they would just have conversations, you know, how street people are, that's how they would talk, um, people, you know, I wasn't raped a whole lot in Brothers Crack House in the beginning, yes, but the other brothels and crack houses, I wasn't, I was just the person that everybody talked to, everybody was cool with at the time. And, you know, I was cordial with some people, other people I talked to long, depending upon how we rolled with each other. Um, In the pimping world, for me, there were times where I would be alone with the brothel workers who were women. And I remember that um, we would just talk about um, we would talk about spiritual stuff, but I wasn't heavy on religion with them. I would just talk about their thoughts, their feelings, and you know, I remember that um, I wasn't as a child did I use religious language all the time, no. Because usually I was in environments where people didn't want to hear that. That's why I didn't give it to them. And I remember at the time, you know, where, um, the brothel workers liked the God in me. Um, because in their mind, you know, you know, if this helps Antonio stay a sweet, non-judgmental person, they were cool with it. Um, I know it was projections and deflections upon me. At the time, I didn't know. I know now. Um, I, um, I remember they were always giving me extra money. Like, they would make most of the money and give me a little bit more than what I asked for 
because in the beginning I didn't want their money at all but they would make most of the money and they would give me a little more sometimes than the little bit of amount that they wanted me to ask them to give them because I was the kind of guy that I remember they would go to skating rinks they had me skate with them I skated well enough where I never fell or anything. They would hold me, I hold them while we would skate, you know, a little skating stuff. We didn't skate a whole lot, but here and there we did maybe like a handful of times. You know, I remember, you know, taking me to a carnival here or two. I remember, uh, They, um, you know, would uh, take me to ice cream parlors. You know, milkshakes, ice cream cones, that type of thing. Movies here and there. Um, you know, the playground. Um, they would have me around their friends and families a lot most of the time in terms of social outings like everybody eating and chilling type of thing and uh, joy rides driving around Um, I'm not rushing myself to tell the story I'm just letting it come to me you know, they wanted me to, you know, be the judge of if they dress well or not. Um, I remember walking with them, talking with them, public parks. And just going everywhere together, pretty much. Places where it's adults only, and places where family friendly, went all those type places. So that was the last. That's the last time I tell a crime story because all the crime stories have been totally told. Every memory, every event in those worlds have been totally told. And I have no more to say about that kind of world. I am free at fucking last.